1: morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot-Jackson.
2: And I'm Shannon Penrod and thrilled to be here with my good friend. Uh, you're looking all co- cozy and and like uh, American. You look like uh, something out of a Tommy Hilfiger uh, uh, catalog.
1: <laughs> it's kind of chilly in my house. I, I haven't been out since very early this morning, so I'm not
2: there we go i I haven't been out either I've been chained to my uh desk here, so I have no idea myself. I have to be honest um but it's been it's been like on and off warm and cold here, so yes. who knows Very i I've, I've got I've got a little bit of a residual cold left over, but we're 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 soldiering on right right uh, I wanted to say that we are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and a bunch of other places. But that is only because we pre-recorded last night. I will say though that I'm there watching with you guys live, so you continue to send in questions and comments. And I I sort of love this now this weekly thing where I get to watch the show with our audience, and especially today, Nancy, because we've got some amazing guests that are going to be joining with us. And I say that with an asterisk. I'm not hundred percent sure that our first guest is going to be with us, but we'll we'll see. Um, because <laughs> I'm just not a hundred percent sure. Uh, There were some extenuating circumstances, and we'll see if she's able to join us. Um, But I know for sure that Lee Maraday-Porch is going to be here with us. She's an amazing blogger that back in the day, I followed her very closely. Her blog, Flappiness Is, Uh and she's got a new book out called The Scenic Route. And I know for sure that she's going to be with us later on. But uh, Carol Kranowitz is also supposed to be with us. She is author of the Out of Sync Child series. Um, and hopefully she'll be able to make it here with us. She was having some extenuating circumstances. So if she's not here, we will forgive her. But we're hoping that she'll be able to join us. Uh, but before that, we've got all kinds of things to talk about in the news. And even before that... We need to take a second to talk about why art, but before we do that, let me not forget to tell you guys that we're live on all those platforms, but we also are a podcast available wherever you get your podcast as a free download. And we hope that you'll check us out, share, like, review, do all of those things. Right, Nancy? Right. So t- we, now we have this weekly thing where we're asking you to check in with us about this fabulous artist that you happen to know, your son, yeah. Wyatt Jackson, yeah. and and what he's been painting this week. Because this has been my, like my treat all week long that I get to see what Wyatt has created. So what's, what's Wyatt done this week? We have a couple of commissions he's done. Um, I don't know which one Trayvon
1: wants to put up first. Um, he did, oh, this is oh, Blue.
2: My goodness. Look at how so gorgeous it, that is.
1: Yeah, a dog named Blue that a friend of mine in Virginia commissioned for him to paint.
2: Um, Amazing. And The then expression next, that he catches on the face is crazy good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love the one blue eye on this dog. Yeah. And then, and then next we have Sue Cho's kitty. Oh. Ducky. This cat is named Ducky. That sucho um, commission
2: uh we love sucho sucho has been on the show before. we used to do suchoga because uh-huh. she uh she's an amazing autism therapist who a often yogi. does yoga with her a Yogi yeah, yeah she's a yogi she's um, living back in Virginia now. I have
1: to ship this painting out to her
2: that's a um, what what a beautiful kitty I've never seen her kitty before, so what is the name of her kitty Jackie. Ducky, Ducky. of course, it is. That sounds very (laughs) suture. Then we have two golden retrievers, Daisy and Hunter. Oh, look at them, they're beautiful. So, just so that people understand, Wyatt uh, paints a wide variety of things, but and there's my dog uh, who needs a painting, Um, but uh, he paints a wide variety of things. But these were all commissioned, so people have started sending you guys photos of their yes. dogs and asking for Wyatt to paint them. What a That's beautiful right, Shannon. Gift. If yeah, you know you somebody know. in your life who loves their animals, send Wyatt. Uh, uh, and, you know, where would they go to talk to you so that they can find out how much it is? Because I know he's gotten a little bit more expensive. It's still very reasonable, you guys. But yes, he's, his price very, has mm-hmm. gone up.
1: Yeah, it's uh, gone up a little bit for commissions. But you can... Uh, Send me a message on Facebook at Nancy
2: Allspa Jackson. There you go. Amazing stuff. Now, is that everything? I don't, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah,
1: that's everything for today. And he has a okay. Facebook page. You see there, Why Art Autism?
2: There we go. Um, I want to is- say, you. I don't even know if you know this yet, Nancy, but we are hoping that, fingers crossed, next Friday, we are going to debut the very first segment of our new show, Stories from the Spectrum. Right. On on Friday, we're hopeful that that's gonna um, be next Friday the de- they, the premiere the debut of it, and it has sort of a, a sixty minute format that there are different segments and in each segment they they feature the work of in, and the voice and and the lives of people that are neurodiverse. So it's stories right. from the spectrum, um, information about and for people who are, who are neurodiverse. And each segment is a standalone, very own um, thing. Like I can tell you that one of the, the, in the first episode, there's this amazing um, animation that a high school senior did there. uh, We have a segment from Danny Bowman. That's just amazing to see the things that she's doing. We have a segment from Stephen Gaber, who's the autistic traveler from a place that he visited and, and, Uh, that he filmed his commentary on the place his review on the place but one of the other segments that we have is a very special uh segment about Wyatt. yeah um that was done by my son and nancy I i can't i can't wait for you to see it
1: i can't wait to
2: see it um because it's not at all what i this is the amazing thing about this it's not at all what i expected uh-huh. Because because it's my son's perspective of why it's work. Right. Which is unique. Why it's yeah. work is unique. And my son's perspective on it is so unique. And I was like, well, if this isn't proof about how we need to stand back and let them do their thing, then I don't know right. what is. Right. So I'm excited for all of those things. Plus, there's another wild card. Uh, we're deciding which one to put in for the fifth one for the for the week. But uh, that will be next Friday. Uh right. And I, but obviously we'll let you see it before that. Nancy. Okay, I
1: can't uh, wait.
2: Yeah. I think you'll really enjoy it. I was moved. Um, I thought it was really spectacular, but I'm, I'm the mother of one of the individuals. So I might be slightly, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> like ha- lean towards thinking that it's brilliant. Right. Uh, but then, and, but then you will also, because you also share that um, in any case, we're, we're going to do the news, but before we go to news, we wanted to. We have a new sponsor on the show, and uh, we've been loving uh, showing a little bit about Z-Beds. So take a look.
1: My Z-Pod, it helps me sleep. It's easier for an autistic person to sleep in there. A Z-Pod helps me sleep better.
0: So, Z-Pod allows for complete control of your sleep environment. The big idea is how do we help people sleep better? I'm George Bailey and I'm the president of Z-PODs. My name is Jeff Wade and I am one of the co-founders of Z-PODs.
2: I like that I can close the Z-POD and that it's around me so nothing can come in there. Micah is 10. She was staying up for like three days at a time. We tried weighted blankets, melatonin. We've tried a sleep study because we thought she had sleep apnea. My experience with the Z-Pod has been wonderful. Micah's sleep has changed tremendously. I'm getting more sleep because she's getting sleep.
3: Because of her autism diagnosis and her schizophrenia diagnosis, she was up all night. And I wasn't doing well in school. I used to sleep in the closet. That was the only place that she was feeling comfortable at the time. Since she started with the Z-Pod, her sleeping has improved.
0: The first night she was in bed on time and asleep. My son Juden, he's neurotypical. It takes him two hours to get to bed at night. But with Z-Pod, it's completely transformed his sleeping. With Joseph, he's autistic. He's very high energy, high anxiety. Joseph would just bounce around his room all the time at night. Joseph has been using his bed now for almost two years. It has become like a real nook for him, just a place where he just feels restored.
1: Helped him decompress, helped him wind down. I read in my Z-Pod, I play games in my Z-Pod.
0: Now that he's sleeping better, I think that all of us are sleeping better. We have taken all of the suggestions that we've received from parents about how we can improve this technology and we've put together a really exciting new bed that we're gonna be releasing onto the market. So we've partnered with a local manufacturer who's invested in the Z-Pod.
2: We've got speakers in the new Z-Pods that will allow you to play nature tracks or meditation tracks.
0: We're going to be creating what we call a sleepscaping, where the sleep environment changes according to your individual preference. What we wanna do is we wanna give a name to sleep that gets kids excited to do this thing that is critical to their health.
1: I could recommend it to good people. Have you ever slept in a Z-Pod?
2: Welcome back. So, uh, yeah, I know. I w- but my thing is, whenever I see that, I want to take a nap. I want to. I, I, I want to crawl in and be in a cocoon. Yeah, and uh, and adjust the fans and the the lights the way I want them, and take a nap. Uh, but we have a much too much show left for me to take a nap. So it's time for us to do in the news and our our first story up. Nancy is one of those stories. I just I just love the MTA in New York. Uh, I I just love all the ways that they are embracing the autism community. We've I don't know if you know this, but we've had them on the show before, because they have a museum underground in New York City that when people visit New York City, they love to take kiddos on the spectrum. And they have a whole program for the schools there that is autism friendly. And they actively seek out um, young people to come because they know that so many people on the spectrum really love trains and subways. My son is one of them. My son
1: is one of them.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and, and Jen went through a phase. He didn't, he isn't still in it, but I think he's still a little fascinated by the whole thing. We keep saying at some point we're going to take the train across the country. I get I... car sick, you know, in my bathtub. So, right. so, and I used to live in New York city and I was somebody who would walk rather than take the subway if I could, because wow. sometimes they go so fast and I would get car sick in the subway. But I still love the MTA uh, for New York for the things that they do. And this month, I feel like they just nailed it, Nancy. Yeah, they're, they are.
1: Um, Their announcements, they have subway announcements and messages at 11 different stages, stations. Uh, two messages will play every 15 minutes. And those messages are from
2: students with autism at the Foundry Learning Center. I just love this. So, uh, as you said, every 15 minutes from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., when you're traveling in New York at those stations, you know they have like running announcements that they that they make. And but but now people are hearing children who are on the spectrum. And I love the examples that they gave of uh, Tyco. Uh, who says that he loves the F train, urges riders to keep the stations clean by using the garbage cans on the platforms. And Jordan, who's 10, reminds strap hangers to not hold train doors. I just love this. What a wonderful opportunity for those kids. That's like a chance of a lifetime. To record and then hear themselves playing in the subway station. I just, special shout out to Demetrius Cricklow who is the senior vice president of the New York City Transit uh, MTA. Great job. Whoever thought that up, great job. At, and wonderful execution. This is where we we see people starting to get acceptance and being allies in the right way. Yes. Love, love, love. For sure, love. Shannon, for sure. Absolutely for sure.
1: love And then our next story is also a really great story. Isn't this Um, unbelievable, Nancy? Unbelievable. An autistic teen has been found alive shivering in a cold Utah parking lot three years after he vanished from California. Isn't this an astounding story, Janet?
2: This rocked me right off the couch when i I, I, first i heard it on the news and they didn't identify the young person as being on the spectrum but they said that a teenager who had been missing from california for three years was found in utah and i was like what is that story like what happened there and then later when i found out that this is you know somebody from our tribe nancy Mm -hmm. and this harrowing story about you know the mom basically turning around and him being gone and and for 3 years she has looked for him every single day not given up hope believed that he was somewhere out there they even moved from California back to where they lived in Idaho hoping that he would show up there um and then i guess when they called the other day and said you know we think that we have your son, that there was a, a little bit of an initial disbelief, because, and and I guess in the beginning, when when her um, her the, the the boy's stepfather, her husband, said they're calling about him, I I understand that mom was terrified. She thought that maybe they'd found a body, but now yeah. they're all reunited. You know that there's much much more to the story, but I just I'm so unex. I, you know, like the, the depths of, of the relief that I feel on their part, I can't even I imagine what it's like for them.
1: It's pretty astounding. Um, and as you said, they haven't, um, they haven't really unraveled where he's been for three years. But at the time um, they found him, they assumed he was homeless and uh, he was in, uh, at a gas station. Uh, in Summit County, Utah. And his name is Connor Jack Oswald. Um, So 20 years old now,
2: disappeared at the age of 17. And and it's not the first time that there was a record of him. Apparently, I don't know which state it was in, Nancy. If you see it, maybe Nevada. There was another state where there was a record a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago where they had run into the man and it it was, uh, they'd run into, because he is, he's a man now, and they would made a record of it. And it wasn't until the two people who found him in the gas station started digging through the paperwork, because I don't know why here in the United States, when law enforcement has paperwork, why the states aren't connected to each other. Because when you think about how many things fall through the crack, like a missing person It wasn't until somebody who was really doing their job and cared deeply, dug in that that he realized. Wait a second, I think this person is this person. Dug further and said this person is missing. Right. Um, You know, I just I can't. You shiver when you think about how often and what he's been through. um, I I can't even imagine. But the fact that he's okay and they're reunited uh, fills me with gratitude, and and I hope that they get all the help and support that they need to get through this next phase, which will not be, right? Yeah, yeah. but
1: uh, God bless the uh, the authorities and everybody that made this happen.
2: Absolutely, I'm so grateful for his mom. Uh, okay, <laughs> like, I, our last in the to, news story. Ooh. You wanna cover this one? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, this popped up on my feed from the Wall Street Reporter, and I want to be very abundantly clear. There's a there's a podcast where they just talk about stocks that they think are poised to take off. They weren't covering this story as some news breaking, hey, guess what's happening in the field of autism? They were covering this from the point of view of there is a company that's about to get uh, a stage two trial for a drug that will have implications for at least one type of autism, for fragile X. Fragile. And um, so, you know, we, we you can watch, I didn't make it through the entire thing because it's pretty dense and I'll be honest, they were talking about this from the point of view of a business and stock and money and I couldn't handle it mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, we're talking about things that are really important to our community. And I couldn't bear to hear it being talked about in terms of money. I just couldn't stomach it. But the, the, the drug that we're talking about is psilocybin, which has been around for a while, been used for other things. A hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drug. And um, they've been trying it for different things for a while, but they, when trying it in a different way, they saw something remarkable. They, they've they gotten, or they're about to, I believe, get approval to do a stage two trial, which means for the first time that they'll actually be giving it to people. Right. But the what they have noticed is that when psilocybin is taken in one way, no impact, but when it is ingested, that there is something that happens that appears, uh, they're, they're hopeful that it's going to show that it reduces inflammation in the brain. Mm. And, and that as a result of that, when, when you take something where there's inflammation in the, ba- the brain and you reduce the inflammation, it opens up the neural pathways and you're able to process information faster and in a, in a more effective way. Right. And, you know, of course we know, Nancy, we've, we've, do, we've covered the research on this for 10 years. There are more and more people who feel that some of the more disabling aspects of autism seem to be tied to inflammation. Mm-hmm. And more and more research is showing that that inflammation starts in the gut and that that does have an impact on what's happening with the way that the brain processes information. So, of course, this company is very hopeful that what they're going to see is that it will reduce the inflammation in children with fragile X. And as a result of that, they will have a reduction in um, symptoms like being able to remember information, which is important when you're learning how to speak. Right. Right. And and that if it does, that that will have further implications for autism that is not fragile X with the potential to have implications for things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, autoimmune disorders. They're very excited about it. But again, this entire thing was being covered from the standpoint of being a stock that may or may not be poised to be worth a great deal more.
1: Right. right.
2: That part made me sick. Yeah. Uh, I just can't tolerate that. But, But the ideas behind it, and we have to be and honest and open that it is just ideas they okay. don't know for sure yet but they have some preliminary results that they're hopeful and that they believe will get them to the point where you can get a stage two trial right um so we'll keep posted and perhaps we will have the the company you know if you're a stock person is nova mentis life sciences um and so Um, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that and see if they're, what happens with them. And perhaps we will invite their scientist on to talk about, but not from the point of view of it being stock. Right, right. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's a very real part of life. I don't mean to disavow it and it's what keeps things going. It's just, you know, Nancy, when we're talking about our kids and the potential for our kids to be able to say their names. Right. I really, it just, I don't want to hear how much, at one point the guy (laughs) says, he says, you know, the autism, the world of autism is a $5.8 billion yearly industry. And that just made me want to puke. I know. To think of us as just an industry in the eyes of someone. Yeah. And well, because for me always... You know, I always used to say this at at card. I would say, you know, when I walk by and see people working, I think about how the cord to their computer goes directly to a home where a child is struggling. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, that that's what the connection, I can't unsee that connection. So to have this Wall Street person just talking about how, uh, you know, how much money there is in this field, I was like, yeah, barf. Yeah, Um, But... But if they find something that that is useful in helping people to achieve what they want to achieve, then we have to talk about it. In any case, um, well, I feel we'll be on for that yes, absolutely. I feel very strongly that our first guest has not been able to join, and I do want to say that um, that that we were aware of the fact that that might not be happening. But Carol Cranowitz is the author of the Out of Sync Child series, and maybe we should just talk a little bit about that. We'll reschedule with her to have her back on. Okay, um, and then we'll move on to our second guest, who I believe is already here with us. But uh, do you want to do you want to tell them just a little bit about Carol and the Out of Sync uh, series, and then yeah, uh, uh, Carol
1: the Carol um, was a music, movement, and drama teacher for twenty five years, and she observed many out-of-sync preschoolers, and to help them become more competent at work and play, she began to study sensory processing and sensory integration theory. And out of that, she helped identify some of the students' needs, uh, steer them into early intervention. And um, in her writings uh, and workshops, she explains to teachers, parents, and educators um, how sensory issues play out. Uh, and provides enjoyable sensory motor techniques, Shannon, and uh, addressing for addressing at home and school. And she is best known, as you said, for her books, which are uh, there's three books in the series, the Out of Sync Child.
2: Yes, she's also the inventor of the In Sync Child therapy, uh, which you can find out more on her uh, website, Out hyphen of hyphen Sync, S Y N C hyphen You can find out more about that. We were having her on. I know we talked about this yesterday and somebody said, isn't that an older book? Hasn't that book been around for a long time? But there is a new edition of the book that's coming out with more information about sensory processing, because, you know, we've learned a lot in the last few years. Right. And and I, I, I look forward to having Carol on because I know so many of you write in all the time and say, what do we do about the sensory stuff? And I and I know Nancy, you're on this campaign as well. That uh, there are a lot of things that you can do, but when you have somebody who works in the field of of OT or something similar to that and really understands sensory stuff, boy, you can make some real process uh, progress. I know that you at one point found an OT who was just amazing to work yeah, with. Yeah, he was
1: great. Yeah, Alex Schoolsby worked with Wyatt for a while and. Um, he's the one who started getting us to do a schedule, um, which we had not really done religiously before and that really helped Wyatt, but, um, he was a, he was an autism whisperer. He did wonders. With him.
2: Don't you love that? Well, we'll look forward to having Carol on a different time, Definitely. but I'm happy to say that our next guest is already here with us. And if it's okay with her, we're going to go ahead and bring her in early, Great. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about her before we welcome her.
1: Hey, um, Lee Mary Day Porch, what a lovely name right. um, and she uh, in the scenic group, Lee offers insight into how parents of children with autism can redefine hope in a world that often has a narrow view of what hope is. Uh, she's an educator and an expert on autism spectrum disorders. She's also the mother of a son who is autistic um, She knows the pressure of special needs parenting. Uh, the need to overcome the challenges that our children face. Um, But she says we must write our own stories about what is possible for our kids. I love that. And love them just as they are. Um, She has chronicled her family's journey from the shock and uncertainty of a severe autism diagnosis to acceptance and advocacy. and, in her beautifully written book, "The Scenic route um she chronicles she shares the lessons she's learned about charting her own course
2: so um welcome to the show. Let's also <laughs> say though that Lee before this book is an amazing blogger. Her blog flappiness is uh, is amazing, was one of the first things that I followed. Um, and I, I said this yesterday, I, I, I kind of wanted to be her when I grew up because she just has an interesting way of looking at the world and brings humor and a reality and honesty to everything. She's also a veteran educator and academic coach with a master's in autism spectrum disorders. How amazing is that? She's an advanced certified autism specialist. She provides training in autism awareness for schools, civic organizations, and law enforcement, and has presented at disability-related conventions. Her writing has appeared in Chicken Soup for the Soul of Parents Raising Kids on the Spectrum, the Huffington Post, and the Child Mind Institute. And now, with this book, um, she's just tearing it up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lee, welcome back to Autism Live. Hi, thank you for having me back. It's been a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. And, and uh, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. So uh, yeah, Lee, thanks for adding to that bio, Shannon. I, I cut it short.
1: I'm glad that you okay. supplemented there. <laughs> Lee, you're so accomplished. And as Shannon said, you're a very successful blogger. Uh, what made you decide to write this book? We heard there's a news story that
3: triggered it. Yeah, it was the funniest thing. I I was up at, well, I guess it wouldn't be funny that I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning. But (laughs) um, I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was reading an article of a, um, I'll say, an autistic self-advocate who had the happy news that they had just graduated from college, and it was actually a graduate degree, and the individual was, um, was interviewed. And at one point she said that it could have gone differently, except that when she was little and doctors told her mom that there was no hope, that her mom said over my dead body, and it was because of her mom that she had all of her success. And that crushed me at five o'clock in the morning because I didn't leave any stone unturned either. And talking in complete sentences isn't going to be in the cards for my son. He's not wired that way. He's he's not ever gonna be wired that way. And all I could think about was as happy as I am for them. And I have no doubt that her parents championing her and pushing her be her best self, I have no doubt. But she was already wired to be able to do that, and there's a lot
1: of truth in that. Thank you, Lee. You are speaking, you are preaching to the choir, because I have a son that's wired a certain way. I feel like I left no stone unturned. I did every intervention, and my son is who he is, and he is moderately autistic. He's not high functioning, and there are times that I blame myself when I hear these stories. Right?
3: Well, I think that that's the danger: is that you have a lot of parents out there who already are are terrified. I mean, they think the world's going to end when they hear autism, and then now they think that they have to ha- do these super Herculean efforts to to get their child to this point. And it it made me think about compasses and about how when we start out in our parenting journeys i mean none of us know that we're about to become autism parents every parent on the planet whether you are a parent in a in some distant country but whether you are no matter who you are as a person as a parent when you start out on this journey you jump onto the highway and you believe that your compass is supposed to point north. And what is north? Well, it's not money. It's not your son joining the priesthood. It's not any of those things for everyone, from the parent that's in the tribe to the CEO to the mom and pop shop you know, owner. What they want is for their children to be self-sufficient in life. And if mm-hmm. you start off your journey and you hear autism and you believe that, Somewhere out there is a book that's going to tell you how to reach north. What happens when you never get there what do you What do you say to yourself and are you so busy loving this hypothetical child who was never born to you? That child never existed you You know it's a child that maybe you've been spending a lot of time mourning, but that's not the child you were you were given in life, and the one that you have is is probably wonderful in many ways. But that's what I saw was all these books, how to get your child to speak, how to get your child to, you know, all of these things. And there were very few books that were designed for parents of children who are higher needs. And if they are, they tended to be super religious to the point where it's about analyzing why God did this to you. And I find that hurtful for people of faith because you know god didn't do this to your child what a terrible thing to say um but either the books are of that of that bent not to say that there aren't wonderful faith-based books out there that don't do that but there are a lot that are you know this is god's will for your child sort of thing or they are a lot of tears and crying and they're the kind of books that autistic self-advocates rail against because they don't want to be seen as this dread disease. And you can't, it's very hard to, it's to tell a parent how to get from where you started, thinking you're heading north, to realizing that self-sufficiency is not your, it's not your due north. It's not, it's helping your child be the happiest them. That they can be. And you get to be the happiest you you can be too. And that's okay. And that was kind of the message that I wanted to send, you know, what's going to happen over this, over this
2: time because you're evolving as well. And so your unique perspective on it is absolutely amazing. And I think it's refreshing and very needed at this time in our community. I wondered if you would tell us a little bit about um the The ring that you talk about early in the book um that is uh, a ring love life,
3: be brave and the story was that I had had a friend who had had a a son um born gosh just a couple of days before nine eleven and he, at first, was maybe not even expected to live. He was a CMV baby, and there were all kinds of issues and possible brain cal- calcifications. And she had this trauma in the hospital, and then all of a sudden, the country's attacked. So, you know, she she had, had done this trauma plus um, extreme special needs parenting because her child was on, you know, the verge of life or death at one point. It wasn't you know, whether or not he was going to talk. Um, and I realized that in the time that we had been friends, I hadn't begun to understand what she was going through. I hadn't begun to learn how to reach out and see if I could offer some help. So I contacted her and she took me out to dinner and she taught me the rules of the road, so to speak, you know, and she had this ring that she pulled out that said love life in the inside it said be brave and she said you know seven years ago i found this and she said it spoke to me but something told me to buy another one and i just had a feeling i was going to need to give it to somebody else and sure enough there we were and since then i've actually gone and bought the same thing and i sat in the very same spot in the very same chilies and told another Autism, Mama. <laughs> you know what you might be facing and what you might not be facing. Um, but you know,
2: yeah. <laughs> I think there needs to be a. I think there needs to be a line of these rings that you need to put out to go with the book because we're all going to want that ring now. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah,
3: they are. They're they're wonderful. I mean, I've worn it um, for years and years, and um, it's been a great comfort to me. And it does, and it goes along with the book. Because uh-huh. be brave, you know, obviously is important in terms of advocacy and all of that sort of thing, but living life yeah. is the most Just important that. part, loving it. And it, it, it reminds me very much of a family member who I talk about in the book who said her greatest regret was that she spent all of this time doing all this research and classes and everything. And at the end of the day, she realized pretty much how her children were wired. And mm-hmm. all the things that she did, they might enhance some of their skills, they might help them to communicate, but they weren't gonna magically get them through law school. <laughs> right. and, um, and she said, just love your babies while, while they're young. Just enjoy being a mama, enjoy them being little. And from the time she told me that, and, and Callum was two, I have never forgotten it. That's what I've always tried to do is just like be in the moment because of that very good advice from two wonderful special yeah, mamas.
1: We often miss their childhoods because we're so busy, busy trying to fix them, right? I was. I was. I was in Sweet. mood,
3: and I had been a, a school librarian. So like my right. instinct to research was a 100 times worse than the average right. mom Googling, and that's bad enough. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, at some point, I, I had to stop looking for ways to make him not himself and instead look for ways to help him navigate the world as he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that acceptance comes, it's, it's a lot better. You know, it, it's a lot easier on the heart. And that, the
1: book, Sorry to interrupt you. In the book, you talk about missing your daughter's diagnosis. Can you tell us more about that? yes um they're
3: only 20 months apart so she was not even walking when i got pregnant with and by comparison her milestone seemed so much more advanced that i didn't worry about it um she was academically ahead of schedule um but i had noticed some little things sensitivity with socks and her shoes um wanting to immediately like strip out of her clothes when she got home because she couldn't stand the feeling of them Um, she ended up getting an adhd diagnosis and all these things just like they were lining up but if you're talking to her and she's busy masking no one would know and it wasn't until she was probably about nine or ten that i began to say well that's a little spectrumy but i never thought anyone would give her a diagnosis and then things just academically started to get more difficult as um, as executive functioning skills became more important in school. And that's when we started to notice a social age discrepancy between her and her peers. It wasn't the academics. And then eventually when you start getting into the higher level academics, it really does begin to impact that. So um, it was just prior to the pandemic that I finally, got her in to see the right people. And I just had to push hard and get some testing and happened to have a wonderful doctor who said, I see what you're seeing. You know, you're, you're not crazy. <laughs> so um she, a my theme daughter feels great about it.
2: A running theme, because that's what they said when you finally went to the person who helped you with your son, because you were seeing something and nobody was seeing it and you had to keep knocking at that door. I want to switch though and talk about, I can't even imagine, Lee, you know, we, a lot of us go toe to toe with our school district or, or, or we get close to toe to toe. A lot of people threaten to go to due process. You actually went to due process, but there's another layer to it because it was the school district you worked for. In Who a small Southern
3: meet? town. <laughs>
2: oh girl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in a
3: small southern town. Um... And And you weren't blogging
2: about that. I, you weren't, you weren't blogging about that for the first time in the book. And I don't want you to give too much away from it because we want people to get your book. Um, but you, you talk about it in the book. I do. I, at the time, you know,
3: I, I just didn't want to try to leverage any, you know, any small platform that I had, um, in such a way. But, You know, it it was very traumatic. I'll have to say that outside of the deaths of my father and my stepmother, that was one of the most traumatic things. I mean, you're looking at people who not only had been, some of them had been my teachers, some of them had been my colleagues, um, you know, and we're all sitting around this table, and suddenly I'm on the other side of the table. And it was was very different. And I, I will say that everyone who has ever worked with my son has been wonderful. never had a single complaint about anybody who has ever worked directly with him this was more of a district level services issue and um, in the book we talk about how that got resolved and what what my advice would be to both districts and parents because having sat in three different chairs at that iep table as specialist as um, educator and as parent I have seen all of those perspectives and I know the way that the teachers are feeling because they're they're to a great degree helpless I know the way the parents are feeling they're for sure feeling helpless and it, I think that there are ways that um, if we could show a little bit more grace to each other that we could prevent many of these situations from getting
1: to If, if you could go back in time, Lee, what do you wish you could tell yourself about the journey you've been on? I would tell myself that
3: I would tell myself about that, that north destination I figured out. That was the part that I didn't have yet. My greatest fear in the world was that he wouldn't speak, and I had that fear because I have autism in my family. I knew that kind of autism. We also, in you know, it, have the other um, type that's you know um, fewer needs, um, less help required. But that was my greatest fear, and I think that if I had known that that I didn't need to spend so much time being afraid and instead i needed to get active that it wasn't speaking that was important it was communication get on communication 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 and that doesn't ma- it doesn't matter if they ever speak a spoken word we need them to be able to communicate and that part had to get hammered into me i kept wanting
2: them to talk i think that's everybody right yeah, um, yeah, and it that is. it's a and that it's a process, and you, you know, what I thought was amazing in the book, you 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 talked about um, the grief that you felt because you yourself recognized in Callum, it's a pretty amazing passage in the book uh, where you recognized and you saw it and knew for sure what it was before anybody else pointed it out, and that when you recognize that that you expressed your grief sort of all at once which i find fascinatingly that um that you said it was just like it just came out and that you cried so hard that your face didn't like for days wasn't Yeah
3: i had to tell my coworkers and my and my principal at the time that i had had a shellfish reaction because my mm-hmm. face was swollen for 3 days <laughs> yeah. and i just you know and eventually I, I don't know if it comes from, uh, my father was the type of person, he was a lawyer. You know, you make a plan, you get on it. And I think that was my first reaction the next morning was, okay, wipe all this off. Where, where do I start calling? What do I start doing? How do I How do I help him? And... Um,
2: but you say in the book that you, you know, that you cried and cried hard. You express that grief for that one moment in time. And then that was it for you. I that never you-
3: cried about autism again, never did. That's amazing. I, I, I'm i not going to say that I didn't have, I mean, I have definitely been diagnosed with anxiety and depression and other issues, but I had that tendency before my children came along. The added stress of, of the things that I don't necessarily want to talk about in public in order to preserve my son's dignity, those things are stressful when you have no help when there's no respite care when there are when there are no breaks no breaks at all they are and you know it's a good thing that i'm a fairly stable person because we have parents out there who have children like my son born to them every day who maybe they're not so stable and they've got no resources and no help and then we wonder why really bad things are happening and it's you know you you have to, you have to check yourself. you have to to look at your own mental health, or you will absolutely crash. I mean, I know for a fact that the due process case and my father's um, you know passing and, and all of that kind of stuff was was coming so quickly and so hard that that's what caused the bell's palsy that eventually affected my body. I mean, stress will out itself. It will not stay hidden. And that concept of the oxygen mask really applies. And that's your responsibility. It's not your child. You have to put that oxygen mask on. And, uh, you know, I've had to learn to do that in various ways. There isn't just one way to do it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I've never cried again. But I love that. I love that you got busy. Yes, got busy. Yeah, it's the only thing I know how to, you know, it's the only thing that being busy feels better, doing feels Mm -hmm. better. Um, I, I find that there are a lot of parents out there who are constantly saying, I wish somebody would. They need to, somebody needs to come. There is no somebody. There is no they. They're not coming, yeah. <laughs> and if if you don't, I mean, if you start, somebody else will join you. They always will, and that's what I found, but too many people are scared to. They think, well, I'm not educated enough. I'm not well-spoken enough. Sure you are. <laughs> do yeah. you speak, you know, are you able to speak to other people? Then you can advocate, and you can do it in your own way, even if that's just going to your local store and saying, hey, how about getting a Caroline's cart in your store, or or whatever it is locally, talking to the the city and asking them to section off a block um, during the parade where the horns don't go off. So it's a safe zone. Those are things that anybody can do. You don't have to be a speaker, a teacher, a writer, any of those things, but doing always feels better. And when you make yes. the world a little bit better in some way for your child, you're also gonna make it better for other people's.
1: Right. I often say that everybody has a talent and, Everybody has a talent they can use to help their child. Some are born researchers, some are born networkers. You know, just everybody's got one. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Lee, what is next for you and your family?
3: Well, um, in addition to deciding to um, sign a book contract in a pandemic, we also decided to build a house because, Mm. you know, (laughs) the world wasn't stressful enough. But um, we are in the last days of it uh we are putting up sheetrock today as a matter of fact we're really excited about it but this is the house that autism is building every single detail of this house has been planned with my children in mind from the layout to extra features to um to even just the whole concept. And I, I am looking forward to writing that story because I, I want people to kind of, to see what can happen if you get that opportunity. Not everybody can build a house, I know. But, um, but when you get the chance to do it and to think about those things, it's, um, you know, it may give some people some ideas for ways that they can enhance their own homes.
2: Will right. you be giving us like a, a walkthrough, like a, a video walkthrough on your blog? I
3: am I'm gonna do some type of a video walkthrough and pictures I wasn't sure if I was going to start writing during the process or just write it all at the end Um, I I, you know being in the middle of house craziness right now it hasn't been you know quite on the agenda but that's that's the next thing and um, beyond that I I have some interest in possibly offering some I don't want to call it Autism 101 because probably somebody's got that title out there somewhere, but an introductory autism course for friends, family, grandparents. Something that they can do online, not have to leave the house, not have to find childcare for new parents, that kind of thing. From the perspective of someone who can answer the, you know, the educational and the autism specific questions, but also as a parent. And uh, so that's something I'm looking into doing next. I I enjoy working with people and um, especially talking to people who it's new for. They're scared, and I don't want them to be scared. Amen.
2: So let's talk a little bit, because we're running out of time, about where can people get the book and how can they access the blog?
3: Sure. Um, Leemaridayporch.com. All all one word there. Um, It has links all your favorite book places. It's pretty much available everywhere. Um, there is an audio book. I got to record it myself a few weeks ago. That was really exciting. Um, so there is, there is that. And um, the leameradayporch.com, you can buy the book from there, but my blog is still over on flappinessis.com. I am looking to merge them at some point, but I haven't
2: quite gotten there yet. So, uh, Lee, I'm reading the book right now, and it's just amazing. You've always been a wonderful wordsmith, and the way you tell, you just get sucked into the story, the way Thanks. you tell the story. It's just amazing, and, and, and the whole metaphor of the being on the journey is, is just so beautiful. But you told me when when you had sent the book off to the publisher that there's a part about Autism Live in it. I have not gotten there yet. You haven't? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, so what does it say? Because uh, I, 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 I don't really have a... You told me a little bit about it. I don't really have uh-huh. a memory of it. Sure. It is during that time
3: just prior to my Bell's palsy attack when I had been through the... Or was going through the um, the due process issue, and I had an you know an elderly mother who had fallen and broken two bones, and and everything was just at its height. I was moving them too, kind of funny, but I was moving them too, and I started to have some things that were. The anxiety was getting to me. I ran a red light. I did all I mean just kind of crazy things. But you had booked me for a second um visit to autism live and i had a massive panic attack the day before i just it, it you know that anxiety was there and i just couldn't do it and i canceled at the last minute i don't even remember what the sorry excuse was that i gave you um i apologized but when i got to the part about anxiety and the impact on on the body um i just had to mention it cuz it's one of those things i always felt so bad about i'm generally you know pretty reliable <laughs> show up on time but and it i wasn't don't but maybe a few after that that um that i woke up one morning and very shortly thereafter couldn't feel my face so i have about 20% um permanent facial paralysis on that side
2: well i feel terrible we didn't know what was going on but i you know people cancel last minute all the time and it <laughs> happens and and when you said to me that that had happened and I said, oh, my gosh, I hope we weren't, you know, I hope I wasn't miserable about it. I don't recall it, Lee, but I but I can tell you, we know more than anybody else. Nancy and I know stuff happens. Um, right. And, you know, this is this is fun. And I think it's wonderful when we can put out information that other people can learn from. But it's not the be all end all. So I felt bad that. You were saying that, you know, it sort of oh. hung over you a little bit, that you felt bad. That you Oh, no, I, I just I've
3: just always felt a little bit guilty about it. And um, I thought, well, you know what? This is the perfect cha- chapter to apologize. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, 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 there's no need to apologize. <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry, because I don't I don't, I, did, don't did, it, I don't remember it. And I don't remember I don't remember thinking, but I should have checked and said, are you OK? And that doesn't always occur to me either. But I'm sorry that it took up any space on your on your journey. Oh, well thank you. Because we love you. It. I love you. Oh. <laughs> I've always loved you. And I'm 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 loving this book and I'm excited for you that this is where you're at. Um and and I'm it seems like you're doing quite well and I'm happy for that. Yeah, thank your you message your
1: message is so refreshingly and so needed in our world. Well thank you.
3: I appreciate that. I I just wanted to bring some I wanted to bring some comfort to someone and I I really hope honestly that more educators read it as well because I think that there are some lessons in there that maybe they'll take a little bit better from me being a veteran educator myself than a parent lecturing them. Um
1: right
2: because I, I
3: know what it feels like to want to lecture them. <laughs>
2: but, um, but yeah, what they're
3: dealing with is tough out there.
2: Well, uh, a good point, but I'm I'm excited for everybody to read your book. So again, um, they can get it from any bookseller, but you can go to leemayporch.com yes. and see and everything. There,
3: there are links to all the major bookstores and, you know, Target and Amazon and all that stuff.
2: There you go. Amazing. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to spend time and, and you'll have to come back. Thank you. I would love to come back. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much. And, and best of luck as you start your new journey in the new house. Yes. Thank
3: thank you. you. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be looking. Uh, When I get, when I get that piece finished, I'll be sure to send it to y'all.
2: Okay. Okay. Great.
1: Fantastic.
3: Thank you so
2: much, Lee. Thank, Thank you, you, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, really inspirational, wonderful, amazing educator and mom and writer. Uh, yeah, so and check- it, worked,
1: it worked out great that our first guest couldn't show up, because how would we possibly have had time for these two dynamic women?
2: Well, uh, exactly. And, you know, um, I'm sure. Sh- you know, she had things going on as well. So we did, we did have an inkling that she might not be here because it happens. Right. Um, so for anybody who has had to call and cancel on us last minute, my heavens, do you know that Matt Asner was on his way to the studio once? We had started the live show. He was on his way to the studio and we were waiting for him to arrive. He never made it because he was in a car accident. Uh. I mean, stuff happens um right. and we don't hold a grudge here we understand that stuff happens and you know it's not the today show so, right. <laughs> you know you know so it's not the today show but we we love it when we can have people on so it happens uh i have to say nancy we're out of time and i just want to say that next week on the show we are having danny bowman on the show um, I also know that we are scheduled to have Kobe bird on and, and we have other guests too, that I don't have my fingers on it right now, but it's an amazing week. Cause we're closing out April very with this, with a bang, it's going to be a strong week. So people are going to want to tune in and, um, that's really all we have time for, but yeah. I'm, uh, I'll see you guys, see you guys on Monday until then. Give your kiddos a hug from me and give yourselves a hug from me. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye for now. Bye.
1: Bye.